Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 322 for March 8th, 2021. Today's guest is comedian, podcaster, musician, and probably a few more things I don't know about yet, Mike Kaplan. We had a great conversation. I just had the conversation on Friday. Well, I'll talk about some of that stuff in a minute. But this was a great conversation. I have a... I talk about it in the interview and we kind of go into it, but I have, I've always been a fan of Mike Kaplan. He's a great comedian and I knew he was vegan. So that was kind of a connection. I was like, Oh, that's the vegan comedian guy. Um, I learned so much more about his work and what he thinks about preparing for this interview and then having the interview. And then after the interview, like Mike Kaplan does a lot. Just suffice it to say. More about that later. I am your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron or you can email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. Yay! Uh, I missed last week. I'm sorry about that. Hopefully you saw my social media and Patreon posts about that. I feel like I'm saying so many peas today. There's so many plosives happening. I hope they're not bad. Uh, I'm sorry. Why the peas? I think I always... Okay, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Enough. Uh, today's interview, as I mentioned before, is with Mike Kaplan. I'm super excited for you to hear this. And the... Ah, it's really good. Um, and... Ah, wait, I'm a little amped up. And I tried to just turn on the mic and just start recording. Okay, here are the things I need to say. <laughs> uh, apologies for missing publishing last week. I hope you understand. Uh, I got behind on interviews and I felt like I was racing to catch up. Um, and now I have I, I have one in the bank and a couple more I'll be recording this week. So I'm getting caught back up and I can get back to being a little ahead of schedule like I was before. It's one of those things that happens. Um, maybe you're familiar with this where I'm like, oh, thank God I have a lot of podcast interviews ready to go. And um, and I keep thinking that even though they're running out and I'm publishing them and suddenly there's a week that I'm like, ah, wait, what am I doing this week? So uh, I'll continue to work on that. I, I share that not as an excuse or like, oh, this is, you know, I... I I share that just because I kind of like sharing this process. Um, one of my goals has been to release this podcast every week. And when I don't, I kind of like to look at why that didn't happen. So I'm sharing that with you. Hopefully you care. Um, I think you do. I think there are people that look forward to this podcast, which makes me feel really happy. Um, so if you're one of those people and you were disappointed that there wasn't a podcast last week, my apologies to you. Um, here's a great one to make up for it. Um, that's really all my check-ins I have this week. Um, I do want to thank my new patron. Oh, there's no new patrons this week. But I do want to thank my existing patrons for powering this podcast. These are folks who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines and bonus podcasts. There are 65, 66, something like that bonus podcasts you'll get immediate access to when you subscribe, including this week's bonus podcast, which features an extended conversation with Mike Kaplan, where... Ah, 
did I mention that I loved this conversation? Um, I'm really excited to share this with you. So perhaps we should get, oh, patreon.com slash Michael Heron if you'd like to join. If you can't or don't want to, the 322 now podcasts, with a couple of exceptions of things that got pulled for various reasons, are all available for free and they will continue to be. So uh, you're welcome, of course, to listen to these podcasts. Tell your friends if you like it um, and tell me if you like it. Send me an email or reach out to me on social media. I I don't hear from enough listeners and I always, 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 always love it. Like it always, if, even if it's not to me, if there's a creator in your life on your Facebook feed, just tell them, hey, I checked out your thing. It was great. You don't understand what a big deal that is. So many of us are just releasing these things and it just sometimes it's like getting crickets back can feel very big and it's not as big as we think it is and it's maybe not as big as we think it is when someone reaches out and says hey what you did meant something to me um but it it's a big deal so say that to me or say that to somebody else who's releasing something and um watch them light up and be excited so let's listen to some music i didn't even realize mike had music until after this interview he mentions it in the interview and then i we had an email conversation about it later so i'm going to play some of his music in this episode too starting with this track called music's fun which has a great animation to it as well which you could find on youtube um i keep wanting to say i'll put i'll put links to a lot of mike's stuff and you should look at all of it. I don't think I can include it all. Like, I feel like I'm going to miss something. So be sure to check out his website, um, Mike, that's mykkaplan.com. And there'll be lots of links in the show notes. Anyway, here is the song Music's Fun from Mike Kaplan, followed by our great interview. Music's fun to play, la 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 la. Words are fun to say, blah 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 blah. Songs are fun to sing, sing a ling a ling. It's fun to do a thing, thing a thing a thing. Do a thing, you're doing a thing. It's fun to do the thing you're doing. Like singing, singing, and playing, playing, and thinging, thinging, hooraying. Bringing each day into night. Turning sound into light Turning sound into light Into light Joining me now on the podcast is Mike Kaplan, who I'm super excited to talk to. Um, hello, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast and being excited. I'm excited <laughs> as well. I'm happy you're excited. Um, I, I have to tell, like, I've had an evolution with your work since I asked you to be on the podcast. I saw you in a, in a show at V-Spot, I think, years ago. Unless I'm concocting that, you did stand up at V-Spot before, Yeah. I did uh, many times. I I live in Brooklyn, and uh, they started doing shows at the V Spot in Brooklyn uh, years ago. Uh, and the I, I it was a restaurant that I loved because uh, it was a vegan place in the neighborhood. And then and one of the owners uh, started doing stand up and was like, "We're going to be doing shows, and we know you're a comedian. Do you want to?" And I, it, was, it was always just a super fun time. And then they you know opened up their new location and then had a room in the back where they would have. Uh, yeah, a more proper comedy club environment. Uh, so yeah, I the answer 
a long answer to your question is yes. <laughs> yeah, since I loved your stand-up, and then I knew you were vegan, so it's like, oh, it's that vegan comedian, and I'll follow him. And that was really all I knew. And, you know, I've been following your work, but I started, like, I listened to your podcast, which is relatively new, Broccoli and Ice Cream, or does the ice cream go first? Uh, no, bro- the word, the that's the exact name of my podcast, Broccoli and Ice Cream. And, yeah, I've been doing that for a couple years. I think I started uh, maybe 2018. So, yeah, n- newer, yeah, there's, uh, you know, in the, uh, the, the ancient podcast landscape going back to, you know, 2005 or possibly even the 90s if, uh, when, I feel like, if you look up when the term podcast was coined but yeah uh, so relatively uh, yeah a newer one yeah so like so so i listened to the podcast and i've been watching your stand-up and like really having a whole new appreciation for what you do you know and i guess one of the things i'd love to talk to you about like from a creative perspective is when i look at your stand-up it's really you you have a a very unique approach to the way that you do stand up, which is it's unusual and it works. It's beautiful, works beautifully, but it's very uh, individual to you. What, what is that? I, this is, this could be a long answer. <laughs> what, what was the process like of getting there? I think one of the things I think about with that stuff is just as also an artist, this, this place of wanting to be individual, but, but oh my God, not that individual. Like, I don't want to be too much. Like, what if I'm really <laughs> myself? And you know what I mean? It seems like you might know what I'm talking about. Uh, well, first of all, I think you're doing a great job saying nice things to me. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for the the new appreciation that you have. And also thank you for the old appreciation that you have, which that's I feel like that's the thing that often gets overlooked. In, like when someone says like, I've developed a new appreciation, like this is actually maybe kind of like a life hack around like you ever, like somebody gets a new haircut and you like their new haircut and you want to compliment them. But sometimes you might like saying, Hey, your hair looks great today or now. And they might be like, wait, did it not look good before? Why are you only complimenting it now? But saying like, wow, I have a new appreciation for your haircut. I have a new appreciation for what you're doing. I think that that implies uh, a, a previous old appreciation. You know, it's not like I have a new appreciation for a thing that I never liked. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't yeah. make sense that way. So uh, you were just uh, the tip of the iceberg lettuce before at those V-Spot shows, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I guess before I answer your question, uh, I and I can, I can certainly tell you how I have come to do what I do, but uh, to, to zoom in, uh, and honing on to more specifically to to help me answer your question better. Uh, and this may sound like I'm fishing for compliments, but I assure you that I, as a vegan, I'm not for fishing for anything. Uh, and <laughs> if you're fit, like when you're fishing for fish, yeah, like that's what fishing is. So I feel like for compliments, it should be you're complimenting for compliments, which often is the way a person quote unquote fishes for compliments. Be like, you're so great at this. And I'm not just saying that so that you will say a nice thing to me, <laughs> but maybe I am. Um, but what is it? specifically can you can you point to or help pinpoint more uh of the things that i'm doing because like on one level what i'm doing uh, but pinpoint like a thing that i'm doing differently than 
either uh, other comedians that you know or have seen. Like I'm like, and this is the part where I'm like, what what sets me apart? What makes me <laughs> so unique and so different? But what I mean is to say, from my perspective, in in one sense, I'm doing what every comedian is doing, which is, you know, uh, taking things that I see and think about things from my own experience, my life, the world, you know, society, culture, uh, psychology, internal, external, like I'm taking the things that I think and present, I, I present them to audiences. And, uh, the goal, uh, the goal is to express myself and, uh, it's so so interesting. I almost uh, and impress the audience, you know, to express and impress. Uh-huh. Um, you know, things go out, things come in. Um, I mean, like the goal is on one level laughter, but uh, but at the the earlier goal, the seed of the goal is like the 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 first uh, w- before that laughter happens is uh, you know, some saying something that is personal, true, unique, uh, me, like fun, like what I, what I think it comes, you know, I feel like a lot of the time, uh, people focus. And I mean, I I don't think it's wrong for a comedian to focus on be like, I want to get a laugh and I also do want to. And so in that way I'm similar as well, but I, I would rather not get a laugh with something that I care about than get a laugh with something that I don't care about. And that might also not be true. So, uh, all that said, uh, all the time, let's say. Uh, all that said, do you have any specific? Can you help hone in on uh, what you want me to discuss about <laughs> what I do? Yeah, well, two things. That kind of was it. Like, you're, it, and this is what this is what kind of listening to your podcast did for me in terms of appreciating your comedy. I realized, like, oh, that isn't a bit. Like, your comedy is very it's individual to you and your way of communicating it seems. And I think, um, the, the, what you just said about trying to combine all of those things into what you're doing. And also like one of the takeaways being, Oh yeah, I want people to laugh. Um, so I think I'm, I'm thinking back to one of the moments that I was like, Oh, this is like, there's something else happening here. And it was on a clip I saw of you. I think it was America's got talent. And there's, and I think I saw you do this same bit before, and I can't remember exactly what you did, but it was this layer, layer after layer of this sort of psychological talk. I'm sure you you know the bit I'm talking about, because I I don't know that I could. Uh, Yeah. Is it, is it the one about being a philosophy major? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. So, I mean, the, the bit basically was, I mean, cause it, it's true that I was a philosophy major, uh, in college. And so the, the joke was essentially some, something like this. Cause I haven't, I haven't told it in some years, but I would say I'm a philosophy major, uh, or am I, you know, what even is philosophy? Yeah. It's a thing or is it, you know, you guys get it or do you? And, uh, and then it would go on for, uh, for infinity really, or a shorter time, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I, great. I think you've done a good job of, uh, of describing to me the thing now here. Uh, so number one, yes, that everything Can I think, I think, Oh please! Go Sorry, ahead. there's yeah. a, there's Your a piece. Yeah. No, but there's a piece about that I want to make sure I say too because I think it affects what, uh, and it's partly my experience of it. And I think this is that kind of like oh, I have a greater appreciation kind of thing uh-huh. where I had an appreciation for that 
bit, like when it started. And then it kept going. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't. Nope. You're doing it too much. This is too many times. And then it, you kept drilling into it and you kept it going so long. This is something that I love in comedy. You kept it going until it was funny again. And it was like hilarious. Oh, thank you. I, I think uh, one of the things that I eventually get to in it is I would say like, uh, may, this has gone on for too long now or has it, you know, to uh-huh. hopefully tap into the 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 exact feeling that was resonating with you at that moment. There's a thing that I've heard. I feel like this is an example kind of of uh, uh, you've heard of maybe the rule of three in comedy, you know, like you vaguely set, yeah. set up a pattern with the first two things and then. Uh, you know, there's a misdirect on the third. Uh, and so there's also a thing called the rule of three or a thousand. That is like, <laughs> have, have, if you have a list or if you're going to do something like do it three times, but if you're going to do it more than three times, do it a thousand times. Uh, nice. I feel like uh, I had that experience watching the family guy years ago where mm. uh, it was just a scene where Peter like hit his knee and then was like, ah, Ah, <laughs> uh, and then he just did it again, and it was funny that he did it again, and then he did it again, and then you're like, how long are they? And then he, they just did it more times than it seems like they should have, and then that became the funny thing, which, to go back, to answer your question now the way that I would have before I asked for any clarification, <laughs> uh, and to apply all of this to it, like, when I started, you know, I I was just writing, like, short one-line jokes. Like, nothing as long or involved. Like, nothing that, you know, was, I would call even, like, a piece or a chunk. You know, chunks were just, like, short jokes put together. Like, these are all jokes about food. You know, like, one joke about a food, two joke about a food. Oh, now we have a joke about a meal. Like, now, I wouldn't have even done that at the time. Like, I would have been, like, several food jokes. Here they are. Um, and... And at the time, uh, I would just go to open mics, you know, at first and like do I would tell my jokes were just short. I would tell like 30 jokes in five minutes and some of them would work and so, and many of them wouldn't. And I would just keep doing the ones that would work and try to fix the ones that I really liked that didn't get answers, uh, didn't get answers, didn't get. Uh, yeah. The answer <laughs> of audience laughter. I don't yeah. make mistakes. And um, and a thing that I I learned of several years in, like from. Uh, from experience and from watching other people uh, be in the moment more than, because I was basically like coming up with everything in advance and presenting it and being like, ta-da, you know, my jokes, you know. And and for eventually I developed, uh, I think, a style out of a fear of the silence that came when a joke didn't work uh, and also realizing that being in the moment with my real emotional reaction to those situations, like would, uh, get me, uh, the response that I wanted. Like if I, you know, if I told two jokes that worked and then a, a third joke didn't work, uh, I'd be like, Ooh, I thought that one would work also, you know, like just something that, that was potentially, you know, it wasn't like a performance of vulnerability. Like sometimes it would be, and, or maybe it eventually would become that, but, uh, that became another rule of three. Or I could point out, be like, look at that. Look, a joke that worked, a joke that worked, and a joke that didn't work. You thought there was going to be another joke that worked, didn't you? But surprise, that not that not working punchline is the uber, like the meta punchline of this whole three thing bit. And if people were like, really? I'm like, no, no, that one just didn't work. Um, so I sort of developed a way, a thing I say now sometimes is uh, 
because I will my sometimes my in between my jokes, I will say things that, you know, are they are the things that I'm saying while I'm doing comedy in between jokes, not jokes? You know, perhaps I would I would say that uh, uh, sometimes it's like the mortar in between the bricks. I'm like, I've got like I'm like, sometimes comedians feel like they need bricks. But I uh, I think I can make a house out of mortar. You know what I mean? Just like it's all <laughs> all mortar all the time. Uh, man, did you see Kaplan tonight? He really mortared, you know, um, and. Oh man, you got first degree mortar. And this is actually <laughs> stuff, that part of it I had never said before right now. And I'm actually getting out my digital recorder to be like first degree mortar because I mortared the crowd. Um, and so that is, that is a thing. Another example of what I like sort of opened up to allow myself to do to discover new things in the moment after I, after I had sort of established, I had, you know, built enough of a structure of like, this is, uh, I can write jokes. I know that I can do that. So I know who I am as a joke writer. You know, like singer-songwriters always get to call themselves singer-songwriters. Uh, but it's weird if a comedian's like, I'm a joker joke writer, you know, but that's <laughs> what we are. And so, yeah, at first it was just like presenting. And then it was really more developing uh, the habit and the desire to not not just be presenting because obviously the performance is always a presentation, even like a com any comedian who's like, wow, they're like the same as they are on stage as they are off stage. Like if you see them at the DMV, like, wow, they're doing, they're, they're just being themselves at the DMV. But of course, like you might speak to your, your parents or your family differently than you'll speak to a friend. Then you'll speak to somebody at the post office. Then you'll speak to uh, a crowd if you're a comedian. So we've all got, you know, these different aspects of ourselves, but I do feel like, uh, the differential between like the presentational and the, you know, inhabiting of the, the emotional comedic present, you know, spirit of the, of the moment, uh, that, that gap, uh, became, it has been at least, you know, more bridged now than, than it was in the beginning. Connecting all of those things on stage, and I, I've experienced as like a musician and a storyteller and that type of thing. So not specifically as a comedian. So I guess this is, I, I'm making an observation and asking a question. If, if that is something that helps you feel more connected to the audience and perhaps makes the audience feel more connected to you. Like it's almost like you're integrating more of your personality into, into what you're doing on stage. Should I just restate basically what you said? I mean, you may have, but it made me think of different things to say. So I think that it's allowed, you know, it's yeah. your show. Um, so I can't, I honestly, you know, can't speak to the audience's internal experience. Uh, I can, and I also, uh, the question of like whether I feel more connected to the audience, uh, like probably, but more, more importantly, and what I can I feel more connected to myself. Like a thing, a thing that I, I have said, like in, I sometimes in comedy, sometimes on podcasts now, like when having this conversation, like that is that when I started, I feel like I was more, and maybe a lot of comedians are like this, but, uh, I personally looking back, I'm like, I was more at times 
asking jokes than telling jokes. You know, like you're like, is this funny? And the audience is like, aren't you supposed to tell us? You know, and uh, yeah, okay, yeah, like, and obviously I wasn't explicit. I mean, maybe sometimes I was even explicitly saying like is this funny? You know, but that's kind of the attitude. It's like a question. It's like, you know, the joke. And people are like, <laughs> uh, and you could, if you go in, there's some jokes that may, you know, let's say the, the words of the joke, like make uh comedic sense. But if you deliver it, uh, if you deliver it one way, like the audience, uh, an audience might not laugh as much. But if you deliver it another way, an audience might. Like uh, I was just thinking about this. Here, uh, here's an example. Let's see if let's see if it works. Uh, okay. I was doing a show the other night, uh, and there was like a Q and somebody asked, like, "Do you think that like I've heard that sometimes comedy is about like telling people like uh, about things that they are familiar with, you know, like, you know, have you ever noticed this or like it's something that, Oh yeah. And then sometimes it's about giving them something that's brand new that they've never seen or never thought about. Like, is that, and that's something. So the question was, do you think that that's true? And I was like, I thought of this. I was like, yeah, I think that yes, sometimes a comedian, uh, gives the audience what they do expect and then other times, comedians give an audience what they do expect. Mm. <laughs> and so that, there's a thing that I remember Norm MacDonald long ago, I think I heard him saying, like, he was looking for the perfect joke. And to him, the perfect joke was one where the setup and the punchline were exactly the same. And I'm like, I don't know if this one's the perfect joke, but it does that, where the setup is people, like, comedians are giving some audiences what they do expect. And comedians are giving some audiences what they do expect. <laughs> and if I said that joke, uh, like, and uh, to call it a joke, uh, I, I, I call it a joke. I say, I say that that is now a joke. And if I said it, you know, sometimes comedians give audiences what they do expect, and sometimes comedians give audiences what they do expect. Like, maybe there are ways to say it. I've, I'm sure there are ways to say it that won't make every audience laugh. And I'm sure that there are ways to say it that will make some audiences laugh because the audience that I first said it to did laugh and no one can ever take that from me. So, <laughs> uh, I would, yeah, I would say I, I have become, it's funny is I have become more, uh, justifiably confident. I've, I feel like I've always been, this is, uh, another, another new framing of this. This is, uh, so what, whatever you're doing here, either you're doing a good job or I'm doing a good job or we're both doing a good job. I don't know if we're connecting, but I'm connecting this. I'm, I'm connecting. I'm connecting I'm to you. Really just connecting. so you know. Oh, good, good, good. I mean, look, I don't need you to connect. I connect. Uh, I connect all by myself. Uh, uh, not without my consent. You don't. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, but the idea like I, when I started out, I was certainly more unjustifiably confident. And then over the years, like, you know, there's a little bit of the uh, the confidence might dip and then the justifiable, like the, you know, sort of the equilibrium, uh, shifts, uh, because I, I, I've also felt like that for me and maybe for a lot of people getting into comedy, two things that can be helpful. One can be like self-confidence bordering on the delusional, uh, at least mm -hmm. when you're starting and you're like, I have things that are important for people to hear when maybe that's not as true as you think. Right. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, self-awareness bordering on the painful, uh, you know, that 
that can be like, oh, why, why should I, like, I, I dated a woman who was a comedian and when we were dating, she was like, why should I even bother? Because like people could go see Dave Attell. Why would they care what I say? And I was like, that is, that's you, that's funny. Like, go say that to people, you know, <laughs> like that, that is like a, a funny, real, you know, uh, a, a thing about a real thing that like, I mean, everyone can't, I was like in the moment I didn't, I think I responded like, well, I mean, there's only a limited number of people that can see David Hill on any night. And if you're in a different place, then, uh, also, yeah. <laughs> which is like a perfectly logical, like way to look at it. Like, well, they can't see him. They can see you. So go do it. Yeah, like people couldn't get in to see David Tell, so they came to the show. Anyway, but, uh, and also you have your unique perspective that he doesn't have, like, I mean, people should see both of you. Um, but yeah, so that, uh, I, so one of the things that I feel like, uh, what is it that I want to say? It's like the thing of like telling a joke and then commenting on it as, uh, sometimes a separate thing. So, like what started out as a separate thing being like, Oh, I am now, now that joke is over. And now I am commenting about that joke. And that became like a, a thing that I would do structurally that eventually, uh, has come to potentially be a part of, uh, like now I can, I, I don't feel like I am necessarily like leaving the joke. I'm not like leaving the world of the joke. I'm still inhabiting that world. And like sometimes the world of a joke does involve like flipping back and forth mindsets. Uh, like, here, can I give you an example? Please do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was, I did this, uh, this show the other night called Origin Stories uh, at the Nowhere Comedy Club online. And so this, some of the stuff that I, that's where uh, some of this stuff, came from that's like sort of, uh, you know, swimming around now. And so I was talking about a joke that I had written, uh, that is on my album meet robot, I believe. And the joke basically it's about, you know, uh, you're familiar with the Wright brothers and how they invented the airplane. And, mm -hmm. uh, so there was like a joke that I had done earlier on the album, I think that, you know, talked about them to, uh, make sure that people are, uh, you know, like everybody, everybody has that prerequisite, uh, cultural information necessary for this joke. Uh, and th th basically that, you know, before the Wright brothers, this is the joke. Okay. We're about to enter the joke. You know, get everybody, get in your <laughs> seatbelts, seatbelts, everybody, uh, get ready, buckle up. And, uh, you know, you know how seatbelts work, you know, you, like the same way that you know how the Wright brothers, uh, invented the airplane. You also know how to put on a seatbelt, even though they always tell you on an airplane how to put on a seatbelt. Maybe somebody doesn't, you know, they're like, we just want to make sure. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that you also and everybody listening knew about the Wright brothers, but just in case. Okay. So, okay. Now buckled up, ready for the joke. Here we go. And so like, we're still, we're now in the world of the joke and it hasn't even started yet, but, uh, and this, that wasn't even part of it anytime until now, but the, the joke was and is, uh, like, I wonder how people fed their kids before the Wright brothers were around. Uh, and then I would act out, I would say, here comes the food. <laughs> yeah. Open up your mouth. And, and then I believe I would say to the audience like that I would, I would compliment them for understanding it, for getting it, telling them. I, I think I would tell every audience. I'm like, some audiences, I have to remind who the Wright brothers. I have to basically spoon feed them. I have to say, like, here comes the Wright brothers joke. Open up your mind. And so I feel like that 
is the the kind of commenting on the original joke while having not left the world of the original joke. Uh, I don't mean to pat myself on the back. I'm I'm fish. I'm complimenting for my own compliment. I did a good job telling you that. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I have a newfound appreciation for that, for your comedy. Just, I mean, part of what happened that I think is kind of helping me understand what I really have been kind of like, ah, oh, that quality is super cool. Um, what what just happened with you telling me that story? And there were moments I was like, wait, are we are we still getting ready for the joke? No, oh no, we're in the joke. Wait, that is the joke. Like, there's a lot of folding in on itself that is fun to go along with and um that and it feels unique You're like yeah i think i think that's that's one of the things that 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 i was appreciating i i like that and here's i'm gonna do a brief impression uh of your appreciation for fun for both of us i think uh mike what i love about you that's different than other comedians is with other comedians. I'm always sure when they're telling the joke, but with you, I don't even know for sure when you're telling the joke. That's what I love about you as a joke teller is <laughs> my uncertainty. Uh, my, and actually what it really is, I think is the eventual certainty that it's been the joke this whole time. What? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I didn't even know it was going to end that way. It was a it was a twist ending to me, and I was telling it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's honestly what I love. Uh, it's one of the things that I love about doing comedy and about about doing it in a way where I am not just uh, telling. You know, like I feel like. At this point, I can go on stage without, like, you know, a list of ideas that I want to uh, start with. I often do have ideas that I want to specifically share, but in the beginning, I would never go on stage without either an explicit set list in my hand, in my notebook, on a napkin, in or having memorized it in my mind. Like I always used to know exactly uh, how things like would go at least from my end. And now it, one of the most joyful things of doing comedy for me is discoveries in the moment, you know, that, which, oh man, the, here's, here's another discovery in the moment. Uh, like, so I love discoveries in the moment and that's what I love about comedy is that I'm not always just saying the things that I plan to say and great news because most of life when I'm not doing comedy, I haven't scripted everything out. So I can also be excited for discovering new things all the time, not just when I'm doing comedy. And I'm like, wait, am I doing comedy all the time? Now I'm you. Um, <laughs> so it turns out the whole thing was the whole thing. Okay. I kind of wanted to go in that direction because – you give a lot of thought, obviously, to comedy, how you are on stage, how you relate with an audience. And I'm curious how that has affected your your real life relationships and, and how you show up in different places in your life. Sure. Uh, I'll talk to you about a funeral. <laughs> um, uh, so 
my I've been in a relationship with my uh, my girlfriend Rini for uh, almost five years now, and uh, she uh, had her grandfather on one side and her grandmother on the other side uh, die a couple years ago. She it's weird to say it like that. She had them die. Um, <laughs> They died, uh, and uh, like her, uh, her grandmother, she knew very well, uh, and like was a was a a very like meaningful figure in in her childhood and her life. And so we we went to both memorial services, and I remember I remember the grandmother one more is the only reason I specifically bring this up. Uh, we've uh, I feel like partially also because we we flew to Florida for that one, and the other one we drove just to a place uh, a few hours from home. So I think we actually were present in the grandmother uh, memorial uh, zone for a longer amount of time, and I met a lot of a lot of her family there for the first time. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that I, on one level, I would say like you know funerals uh, are not necessarily the place that I'd be like, ah, time to make a lot of jokes, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I was there, like, with my girlfriend to, uh, you know, support her and be present at this momentous uh, specific experience uh, for her and for her family. And also, like, she has, like, I'd, I'd met, there was an aunt that uh, is now a beloved figure in, has always been a beloved figure to her, and more so now because I didn't know her before. So I met her, her aunt, another, you know, one, she had just lost her mother. And I remember like sitting with her at this table after the memorial service and like getting to know her. And there were every once in a while, like moments where I was like, I think I can say this thing and it will be funny for all of us. Like in a way that isn't making light of the situation, but is offering, you know, light to the situation, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a joke I interlude, like I was like, don't make light of this. I'm like, isn't making light what God did first, you know, like what, <laughs> why are you uh, throwing shade at making light? Um, which is uh, another thing that I hadn't thought of till now. Why are you, I'm just uh, recording again. Uh, I, I like that we're recording this podcast, but I'm like, I, I'm going to get it over here as well. Uh, why are you throwing shade at making light? Um, and and it, I was I was generally speaking right. Like I feel like here's a, another thing along my journey. I've gotten better at uh, make. I've gotten better at making jokes. You know, just by doing comedy on stage and off stage. And I've also gotten better at knowing uh, when to make jokes. Like uh, you know, so I feel like I would uh, and recommend to everyone. Uh, you know, err on the side of at a funeral not making jokes unless <laughs> right. you're like, I'm 99.99% sure that this one's going to be a banger, you know? Uh, this one's really going to, you know, help uh, bring joy to the to the suffering. Like, there's a thing I, a quote I like from the book The Prophet by Khalil Gibran is uh, the greater that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And uh, I don't mean <laughs> another fun new thought about that. Like when I'm like, the, the greater, the more joy you can contain. Wow. So people who are experiencing sorrow, this is now like a, an opportunistic comedian character that lives within myself. I'm like, so people who 
who are suffering are ripe for joy creation. I mean, and that's true uh, in a way, mm-hmm. uh, but it's the more joy you can contain. You gotta, <laughs> uh, you gotta. So I feel like you know, like choose your moments. Um, and so I, I think that uh, here's the thing. The, the woman that I was dating that I mentioned earlier who was a comedian, mm-hmm. this is like over a decade ago, uh, like 2008 to 2010-ish. And I, she did comedy and I did comedy and we, we laughed together. But also like my comedy like wasn't exactly like her, like her fa- I wasn't her favorite comedian. Like I was, you know, uh, she loved me. I was her boyfriend. Uh, but like stylistically we did different things and we had different tastes and now uh my my girlfriend like i am i i don't want to speak for my girlfriend uh and say that i am her one i'm certainly not her one and only favorite comedian maybe i am but uh she loves she loves me and she loves my comedy is the the relevant factor here and i mean part of what like she had seen me do comedy before we met and we met because she saw me do comedy uh like she came up to me after a few shows and then i came up and i uh, and we talked a little bit and then i came up to her after one show having forgotten that she'd come up to me at these other shows and so we both felt like we approached each other first and uh <laughs> And, you know, and then we got to know each other as human beings, but also part of that, part of the human being I am is, you know, it's that there is no like binary on off switch of like, I feel like the idea that some people have about jokes, like here's a a brief interlude, if I may, there is a, I watched this video once of a, a comedian, uh, that uh, it's not important who it is specifically, but it was like, let's say the kind of a Don Ricklesy ish, like, but not, not as, uh, I guess no, I'll say like, you know, it was sort of insult. It was insult comedy mm-hmm. from a, uh, a seemingly a straight white man uh, that might've purported to be an equal opportunity offender, offending everyone except perhaps for straight people, white people, and men people. Like, right. you know, going after everyone except <laughs> for the very categories of people that he was. Right. Um, and so there were, you know, there were jokes that were uh, homophobic. There were jokes that were sexist. There were jokes that were uh, potentially racist. I don't remember specifically what they mm-hmm. were, but I, the, the shape of it is this this caricature of a of you know uh, a person who's like, look, I'm I'm offending everyone, so you can't be mad, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not mad, but uh, I think people could be mad. Yeah. Um, like, very easily. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. You can tell people that they can't be mad. Um, like you can't be you can't be mad at me for saying what I'm saying. If you say that I can't be mad for saying what you're saying, okay, when well, nobody's mad, okay, great. Um, the thing that's that was noteworthy about this experience to me is that in the comments, like some people were expressing their discontent, and then the person had fans that were sort of split into two camps in the way that they responded. One one set of people were like they're just jokes, lighten up, they're just jokes. And then on the other hand, people were saying, 
look, he's just saying what we all believe, you know? He's just saying what we're all thinking. Uh, and I, I found that dichotomy so fascinating and so illuminating about what comedy can do, which is, like, I mean, in some ways, sometimes, tell the truth and also be a joke. Like, so the idea that's, I don't think that, I understand, like, I'm disclaiming in my mind, like, you know, I'm like running over the bridge and it's disappearing under my feet. And I'm like, okay, I want to get to the other side, but I'll, so I'll start with this thing that I'm going to disclaim after. I don't think that I might not believe that this is entirely true, but I think that there's no such thing as just a joke that there's always a joke plus a desire to tell it, plus a reason for telling it, plus what it might mean about the person that tells it. Like, And now, to disclaim that, I'll say there's a spectrum. Like, There's certainly jokes that are more just a joke than... Uh, like a joke that is also like, you know, a George Carlin or Lenny Bruce or Richard Pryor or Sarah Silverman, you know, a joke mm -hmm. or Maria Bamford, a joke that has clear, like clearly is a joke and also is revealing about something about the person telling it, about society, about, you know, about mental health, about whatever it is like that. Sometimes a joke is not just a joke. And I think on the other end of the spectrum, when a joke is quote unquote, just a joke, it's like the kind of thing that people are saying, like, I don't even believe it. Like it's only, I'm only trying to make you laugh. And then in that case, if it's something that you don't believe, but it is about something that, you know, marginalizes, dehumanizes or what have you, then there, then it's not just a joke because I mean, in the, the example that I gave, there are people who are taking it as the other end of the spectrum. There are people who are taking it as what you believe as the truth or, and it might be, you know, building up their attitude about like, oh yeah, that, that guy thinks that thing about women. I think that thing about women, I'll keep thinking that thing about women. Like it's in that case, not just, I don't want to give it more power than it has, but it has like words, <laughs> Words, uh, you know, like sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Like what a, what a weird, I mean, that's a good thing to say, like to somebody who's been called names to be like, look, names aren't hurting you like physical objects thrown at you would. And also the flip side of that is like, I, I just hope that people aren't like, but why, why are my feelings hurt then? Somehow it seems like these words have some power. Yeah, like they are actually hurting me. <laughs> yeah. So this is to say, uh, like, oh yeah, in my relationship with my girlfriend, like one of the things that, uh, that we love about each other is that, you know, there is no separating, you know, so I have another interlude. Uh, I okay. have this, this new, uh, newsletter that I just started doing uh, that comes out once a week for free and you can subscribe for more if you want to uh, called Art Nuggets. And the reason I called it Art Nuggets is because uh, I used to, it's mostly jokes. It's almost all jokes, but I called it not joke, not something about jokes because every once in a while, like I'll include a poem or a thought that's not necessarily a fully for like something that I wouldn't I wouldn't call a joke or I would, but then somebody would be like, is that a joke? You know, I'm like, oh yeah, it's, 
it's definitely a thing, you know, it's a thing that I created and I'm like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, have to worry too much about like, wait, what if I call, you know, the expectation of calling something a joke, where's the setup? Where's the punchline? Like, it's a thing. It's a nugget of art. It's an art nugget. And (laughs) so I feel like, but they are all coming from like the same wellspring of, you know, or the same conduit that's coming through uh, this entity of me. And, you know, it's like when I, when I have ideas, like all the ideas that I've been recording, uh, into here, like they might, uh, just go into my journal. They might go into my act. I might say them on stage. I'm definitely going to write them into my notebook and like type them into my all jokes file or, you know, uh, assign them wherever, wherever I think they ought go. And, and so I think similarly, the same way that like sometimes a thing comes out and I'm like, oh, maybe this will be a song. Maybe this will be a joke. Maybe this will be just, uh, you know, a piece that I'll, a, a, an essay, you know, uh, uh, and the same way that like at the core of it all is, you know, is the same seed of creativity, the same way that potentially, you know, at the core of my being, if there is a such thing as the core of my being, whatever that means, you know, like there's me and there's me on stage, there's me off stage, there's me telling jokes there, you know, there's me presenting jokes, there's me like saying what I really feel, which sometimes comes out as, uh, you know, a joke and a a meaningful truth about the situation, whether that happens, you know, at a funeral in a in a measured way, whether it happens, you know, with my girlfriend when we're both open to, you know, when we're when we're talking and joking and having a a fun time together in that way. So, I I think that to answer the question, like I I a thing that I used to say. A few years ago, I remember thinking about how, like, comedians like Mark Marin, like, it seemed like, you know, you listen to his podcast or you and you watch his stand-up, like his stand-up, it's stand-up, there's, like, specific, you know, if you're watching a special listening to an album, there's jokes or there's laughs, there's bits, there's chunks, there's, you know, there's comedy art happening. Mm-hmm. And also, in some way, he is more himself like the same, if you're like, oh, that's that guy on stage, that's that guy off stage. Like they're very close together compared to like Lewis Black, you know, on stage yelling, off stage, you're like, not, he's not always that guy exactly. And, you know, again, it's another spectrum where yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to put anything on either of them. Like, but there's something certainly, you know, or Chris Rock, you know, Chris Rock yelling on stage compared to Chris Rock. I, I like listened to him on NPR once, like, and I uh, didn't realize it was him at first because his voice was so, uh, so quiet. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh, that guy has different dynamic range, you know? But, uh, so I remember thinking like, oh, the goal of some comedians is to get to a place where they, or some comedians are like, where I'm, I'm the same on stage as I am off stage. And f- and so they're like, I want to tran. They wanted to translate who they were off stage into who they were on stage. Was my interpretation of it. And so change who they eventually grow on stage to match more who they were off stage. And I feel like for me, it might have happened the opposite way. That like I was developing this this character, this being, this way of being on stage. That did seep into who I was off stage. That so I've been you know, growing, changing, shifting, evolving as both a human being and a comedian kind of in the same 
direction in that like who I was as a human and who I was as a comedian uh, when I started, I think we're farther apart than who I am as both now. And so I think that can't have, I can't, can't help but have impacted how I am uh, both on stage and off stage. Uh, so it's, it's hard to answer your question. <laughs> but I think you did. I mean, oh, yeah. I, yeah. But it was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I guess I'm going to take that to mean that that was a great question. This is one of the best I've ever asked. I mean, I do. Usually when I say great question, it means that I don't initially know the answer right off the top of my head very easily. So yeah. uh, I, I grant you. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the time. We've gone over the time that I typically a lot for such things. And there's so many so many more things I want to talk about. It's such a like a like a cliche, like, oh, we got to do this again. I we, we could talk for hours. But honestly, like, I, I would love to hear more from you. I but, would be happy to do it again. Yeah. Um, that said, we will be doing a little bonus podcast that'll show up on Patreon for patrons. Um, so if you are also feeling like, wait, I didn't get enough of Mike Kaplan, there's more. Go to patreon.com slash Michael Heron and uh, you could get that there. Uh, before we go, can you let everyone know where the best place to find you in the world of the internet? Sure. Uh, Mike Kaplan uh, is spelled M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N. And if you search for... Uh, that spelling of Mike Kaplan uh, on social media, you'll find me. Uh, if you put it, the, the Art Nuggets newsletter that I mentioned uh, is at mikekaplan.substack.com, uh, which is a cool website I like. And uh, my albums, uh, if you, you, know, you can find them. Look, you're on the internet now. You found this. Uh, I bet you can find my albums if you search for uh, Mike Kaplan on you know, your various Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you like. There's physical copies available as well. Uh, my most recent album is called AKA, uh, and it's uh, one that I'm very happy with full of jokes that I care about, about things that I care about, compared to the past when I had jokes that I cared about, about all kinds of things that maybe <laughs> I didn't care about as much. But uh, I cared certainly enough to make them into the jokes that they were. They were not just jokes. But yeah, uh, so the album, AKA, there's also a special that I made years ago uh, on uh, Amazon now called Small, Dork, and Handsome. And so yeah, if you search for M-Y-Q-K-A-P-L-A-N, uh, wherever you like, oh, you also find my podcasts, as we mentioned, Broccoli and Ice Cream, where I interview folks about the works and joys of their life, the broccoli and the ice cream, metaphorically speaking. And then I have one where Just I Talk, uh, and it's called The Faucet, and it's mostly stream of consciousness. Uh, and that comes out at least once a week and more when I feel like it. So uh, I didn't even know about that. There's so many things that, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, you've, you've got your play cut out for you. <laughs> Hey, um, great. So, and people who are listening, you could also stop by MikeyPod.com and look at the uh, show notes for this show. And I'll put a lot of those links there so you could find Mike. Thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you very much, Michael. It's been a great pleasure. Her mind is kind and strong, like a timeless song. She winds along like the finest song, like an open palm. She's full of hope and calm, full of life and love, admitting I belong. Like a silent gong, she resonates. Her head is straight as she levitates. Never hesitates, but she can let it wait. With every step, she meditates in a meditate. And down to earth, profound she abounds as she's found her worth And it's priceless, so much niceness, no disguises Over devices, just a grounded mirth And a sacred ease, wisdom like Socrates Degree degrees, no hypocrisy Just elated, free, inflating, breathing, making breeze That's how she makes me see her Aiming deeper and 
raising, keeping radiant features, a creative teacher, creating, reaching heights and delights like Amen Preacher. To each their own, and she's one hell of a one, a star so bright, no need to tell the sun. And as each day's done and the bell is rung, I'm grateful for this faithful wealth of fun and health and stunning grace. And I know life is not a race, but still feels like it's one. Still feels like it's one. That was Calm from Mike Kaplan. Check out his Bandcamp page for lots more music. Who knew that he also does music and it's so good? I, I think I am now officially Mike Kaplan's number one fan. I help. I hope you are as excited about his work as I am, and I hope you got something out of that interview. Uh, if you want to hear more, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. There'll be more from Mike Kaplan on Wednesday. Uh, we talked some about, <laughs> as you noticed, we kind of went down some roads, and we did the same thing in the bonus podcast in a really delightful way. I talked to him a bit about his audio recorder, which you heard him talk about, and his process with creating through that. We, we went down some other roads, too, and it was really uh, so good. So, uh, again, apologies for missing last week. Um, I hope this amazing interview makes up for it. Check out Mike's work. And next week, I'm going to have an interview with this electronic duo from Los Angeles named Piera. Ah, it's another good one. So get subscribed if you're not already. Tell a friend if you like the podcast. Sign up on Patreon if you can or you want to. If you don't, just keep on listening. And uh, thanks for being out there. I'll see you next time.
I put my guitar down so we could do it. 